Welcome to Crosswords, the podcast about practical Christianity. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? How do I live in a culture hostile to godliness? These are questions that we will answer as we get our minds and heart on Jesus. In our previous podcast, we had left with Jesus being tempted in the wilderness by the tempter, the devil. We're going to proceed now with the next stage in Jesus' walk. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 reads, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The period of blessing apparently did not last long. Jesus heard that John had been put in prison. It must have been devastating for Jesus to find out that his cousin had been in prison for his preaching. But Jesus was not daunted. He began to preach the very message that had caused John's arrest. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He was fearless and courageous in the face of his battles. He knew who he was and what he needed to do. Satan had tempted him to conform to fleshly desires, but Jesus was about worshiping the Father. Our minds need to be worshipped-centered. Our act of worship is the transformation we seek after, to conform ourselves to Jesus and not the world. Paul speaks of this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where he says, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's very difficult to renew our minds on our own, maybe even impossible. We need the help of the Holy Spirit, whom we receive when we decided to follow in Jesus' footsteps by being baptized. This is why the first steps are this baptism, as Jesus showed us. With the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we have everything we need for this life and the life to come. So Jesus was successful in refuting Satan's temptation and undaunted by negative events surrounding him because of what his parents had impressed upon him as a young child. He knew God was in control and that he was sent on a mission. Proverbs 22 verse 6 will tell us, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. His parents had impressed upon him the principles of Deuteronomy and a foundation in God's words and promises. Similarly, David had brought up Solomon in the instruction of the Lord as well as he shared things in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 through 19, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, all the way to chapter 7, verse 27, concerning wisdom. So Jesus' parents, and similarly David, uh, taught their children these foundational principles to help them in temptation, to help them continue straight in a path of righteousness. One thing I wanted to point out in these 
Proverbs, especially when David is speaking here, teaching Solomon, that starting with chapter 2, verses 16 through 19, and pretty much all of chapters 5 and chapter 7, and half of chapter 6, are all warnings against adultery and sexual temptations. See, these warnings against the traps of fleshly identity and instant gratification are necessary, particularly when our children are very young. We need to prepare them for the upcoming temptations they will face. One question we need to ask ourselves as parents is, how are we impressing these warnings and how are we teaching this wisdom to our children? All of these are awesome sayings and teachings for all those who are in pre-adolescence through their adolescent years. It is something really for everyone to know. This is how we are to root ourselves in Christ, taking in His Word, so we don't end up conforming to the world, but rather being transformed, helped, being helped by the Holy Spirit. What about when our children become young adults? When they reach that age where they are no longer under our direct supervision, what's the pattern then? Well, God has something for us to read here in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, when he himself addressed Cain. Cain needed to be disciplined. He had murdered his brother. So God approaches Cain and he says here, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must rule over it. God still approached Cain and warned him when he was going the wrong way. Notice God only warned him once, and after that he had to let Cain learn from the school of hard knocks. We need to encourage our young people who have chosen the Lord that they are equipped to rule over sin, not to let sin or their passions define them, but rather to seek to be defined in Christ. Some time ago, we had examined Cain's attitude after receiving God's punishment. He chose not to listen to God's warning. And we learned from that incident that Cain was really a wimp. This is more punishment than I can bear, he cries out, after killing his brother. I think bullies, abusers, and violent people are really cowards. They are wimps. They're not strong. They're weak, which is why they wander off drunk off their passions, and slaves to their flesh without hope, unless they seek the wisdom of God. We need to point out these visible examples around us and let our children learn from them. I'm sure we all have plenty of examples of these kind of incidents in our family or within our circle of friends or at school or at work. God provides them all so that we can learn the difference between foolishness and wisdom. So let's go back to Proverbs 22, 6. Start children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Let's talk about learning how direct, how to direct our children in the way they should go. And this applies to everyone, not just parents. Those of you without children, how are you sure you're going in the way you should go? Notice it's the way they should go. Not the way they want to go or the way you want them to go. Our job as parents is to artificially amplify the consequences of their choices, to direct them 
on the way to conformity in Christ. Many of us are focused on certain careers or options for our children that may be too much for them, giving them unnecessary stress and burdens instead of helping them focus on having kingdom success, which is what God made them for. You may think your son or daughter has the skills or intelligence to become a doctor or a lawyer, but do you really think that God is focused on career success? Or is he focused on kingdom success? I'm not saying these professions are wrong, and I'm not talking about being preachers necessarily, but teaching them about careers and options that are in keeping with kingdom success where they know God has given them opportunity to succeed in bringing people into the kingdom and not just focusing on what options give them prestige, money, or even personal fulfillment. The best personal fulfillment is fulfilling our calling in the Lord, being a worker in God's kingdom. And we can do that pretty much from any career or life option that we have. But some of them could be very distracting from our work in the kingdom. Is your only option for your children to become doctors? Or maybe your only option you're giving them is going to college? What if that's not their way? What if that gets in their way of success? The success God wants them to have in his kingdom. When I was younger, I thought my parents wanted me to go to college. I don't recall there being another option for me. Now that eventually worked out for me, but that may not work out for everybody. Jesus started his ministry by leaving his job in the world, his job as a carpenter, and by choosing to do his father's work. We read about that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. If you like this podcast, please show your support by clicking on the support link on my Anchor FM profile. This ensures I will continue producing authentic Christian content as the Lord allows me. Thank you and have a blessed day. We left off in Matthew chapter 4, 17, when Jesus starts his ministry. It reads, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Generally, people want to be successful. I don't think someone starts out by wanting to become a mediocre person or a loser. You may feel that way or work yourself into that attitude, by not knowing how to handle negative emotions or times in your life when you did lose and were not successful. Everyone experiences failure, and the way we learn to manage failures is what makes us successful. Jesus was not concerned with leaving his carpentry job behind. I know he was a great carpenter and probably in demand. Wouldn't you want your whole kitchen redone by Jesus? He was not worried about provisions for himself or his family. He trusted God would provide everything he needed since he was doing God's work. You see, Jesus' focus was not his career in the world, 
but his ministry in God's kingdom. This is the scripture he had chosen to read in the synagogue at the start of his ministry. It comes from Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19, actually a quote from the book of Isaiah. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We need to see ourselves as agents of God's kingdom, that God wants to use us despite ourselves in order to bring him glory and in order for other people to also have success in his kingdom. We need to see ourselves in the same way Jesus saw himself when he was reading this scripture. He said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Ask yourself the question, do you believe the Spirit of the Lord is on you? Do you believe He has chosen you to proclaim the good news to the poor, the gospel to the poor in spirit, to proclaim freedom for those who are prisoners of sin, and recovery of sight for those who are blind, who cannot see the way, to set those oppressed by their heart and their passions free, and to proclaim to them, that they can have favor in the Lord, in Jesus Christ. See, we need to consider carefully how we're pointing our children on a particular career path, as I said before. Being very upfront about making sure they pick something with your guidance that will help them be successful in God's kingdom, and not necessarily successful in the world. There may be some careers, like medical careers or law enforcement careers, or athletic careers that can cost your involvement in God's kingdom. I remember when I first came to the church many, many years ago, there was a young lady there who was more concerned about her tennis career than about God's kingdom. And as she allowed more and more practices and training sessions to get in the way of Bible classes and Sunday services, it was very clear that she had chosen her career in tennis over God's kingdom, and eventually she was nowhere to be found. I've seen enough in these past 35 years to know how someone's tunnel vision can lead them to miss out on God's opportunities because they have a fixation on what they think success means, as opposed to listening to God and his pattern of success in his kingdom. I have witnessed brethren losing their faith, their family, and even their sanity because of a wrong career focus. Brothers shipwrecking their faith, as Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1.19, because they were confused in their means from our last lesson, and therefore forsaking a good conscience. This is why we offer career counseling in our congregation. You don't want to miss out that opportunity. God really provides. It's really all about learning the principle of compatibility. We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to focus particularly on verse 32 through 35 at this time, where it says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. 
but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul talks about this principle of compatibility in these verses, a principle which good counselors, psychotherapists, ministers, they're all familiar with this in marriage, in spiritual, and in career counseling. It is that spiritual principle that Paul is referring to in this passage we just read. When I do premarital counseling, I focus on the importance of compatibility, particularly in the spiritual aspect. That's very important. We give out an inventory that touches on 10 or so areas of compatibility, one of them being spiritual compatibility. And those that the more compatible individuals are with each other, the more enjoyable the marriage, the less distracting it will be. This is why the scriptures admonish us to marry people who are in the Lord. We find that in 1 Corinthians 7, 19, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 16. And it's really no different when we speak of career compatibility. We're trying to reduce the amount of distraction, to keep our interests from di being divided, as Paul says, and ending up tricked or fooled by Satan. This is also that we may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. It's not about being restricted, as that is often our interpretation with discipline, but it's about making sure we don't end up with distractions from our work in God's kingdom. So let's have a chat about how that guidance should look like. You know, it's all about creating opportunities for our children to know and to believe that they are part of God's kingdom. So I'm going to give you three principles to keep your children focused. Number one, teach them that the kingdom belongs to them. You have to believe this yourself. The kingdom belongs to you. Jesus is giving it to you. You are an active participant. God wants you to be actively involved. It's not about sitting on a bench or attending a class. It's about lending yourself as a living sacrifice. God wants you involved, body, mind, soul, spirit. God wants you to take ownership of his kingdom. And this is what we need to pass on to our children, just as Jesus' parents did to him. Start them off on the way they should go. Create opportunities for kingdom involvement. Are you already in the Lord? Get involved. If you have given your life to Christ and are not actively involved, what are you waiting for? Don't depend on the church or institutions to create opportunity for your children or for yourself. You go and get going. Number two, yes, parents, we are the main providers of kingdom opportunities for our young children. This is how families are built and how we get to be deeply rooted in the Word of God so that we can become a kingdom that is useful for God, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So as parents, we need to think about what's more important for us. Is it more important for us to further our own personal agendas or to make sure while we have the opportunity to influence our children's lives that we create these opportunities for them to be integrated into kingdom work.
it will pay off later on big time. Young adults, singles, what about you? How are your steps following the ones of Jesus? Are you more concerned for your own kingdom, your own agenda? That remember, without Jesus, it will fail. Or are you looking to be an active worker in God's kingdom? Remember, it is your kingdom. Number three, yes, the church will create opportunities. That's why it's a blessing to be a part of the church. It takes a church, it takes a village to raise children properly. But the church is not in charge of your children. You are. Don't ask what the church can do for you, but what you are doing to build the church. The church is the kingdom of God, and you are a part of